And welcome into the Illini cast as part of the Big Banter Podcast Network. And I'm Austin Berklin, and I'm joined by Sonny. Sonny, how's, how's it going? It's going wonderful, Austin. I'm glad we finally get to get this podcast off the ground. Glad to be working with you. I'm glad to be working with uh, big, the Big Banter Network. Absolutely. So what the Illini cast is, we're going to talk Illini football mostly. That's going to be our bread and butter. And then um, go into the Big Ten world, have some guests along the way of the Big Ten Big Banter podcast network. And we're going to cover a little bit of Illini basketball here and there if there's some very noteworthy stuff. Uh, So let's have introductions. Sonny, do you want to introduce yourself to the world? Sure. My name is Sonny. I'm living right outside uh, Ch- Chicagoland. I've been an Illini fan for a better part of my life now. I did go to school there. I got two kids chasing them around. And when I'm not chasing them around, I'm just uh, trying to talk with like-minded people and uh, absorb as much Illinois athletic knowledge uh, as I can. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm Austin Berkland. I was the producer of the Jeremy Warner show back in the day. I was a member of the uh, Tay and Jay um, just uh, gang, I guess, for lack of a better term, and uh, just excited to be back in the Illini media landscape. So I'm very excited uh, to be a part of this podcast. It should be a really good time and uh, good to stretch my media legs again. All right, cool. So let's get going. I mean, there's a lot going on with what's happened the last couple weeks of Illini and Big Ten. So let's start off with the Illini, and they made a huge hire. It's not somebody that can recruit, but one of the best defensive minds out there in the world of college football. They hired Jim Leonard as a defensive analyst he was with brett bielema as his defensive coordinator at the university of wisconsin filled in as the interim whenever they fired paul chris mid-season and now he was on the market and i thought the eagles who are my nfl team i thought they were going to hire him as their defensive coordinator but he is recovering from hip surgery at the moment so i think this is a good step for him as he tries to get back into coaching i thought this was a home run hire i couldn't believe it i kept on refreshing. I thought I wasn't sure if I was being punked on a Twitter account. Um, If you had told me Jim Leonard was replacing Ryan Walters as our defensive coordinator, I would have been super excited Um, to have. Now, don't get me wrong. I love what we have now in Aaron Henry. All the interviews I've seen of him, Brett trusts him. I think we have a superstar uh, in the making with our defensive coordinator. But essentially, Brett has a hedge. Um, If for whatever reason, um, Aaron isn't working, or he needs some guidance. This is his first defensive coordinator job. Uh, He's got Jim Leonard there five days a week to kind of be a soundboard for advice. And should, you know, things not work out for whatever reason, uh, Brett has a top, what, five defensive coordinator already in-house. I couldn't believe the news now or then, and I can't believe it now. I'm super excited. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be the exact way that this goes down, but it feels like in the week from Sunday until Friday night, you almost have the game planner in Jim Leonard. And then he hands the keys off to Aaron Henry and says, all right, here's the game plan. Just call your game. I know you can. Uh, I have all the faith in the world in you. 
Brett has obviously all the faith in the world with you as the defensive coordinator. So I think those two are going to work so perfectly together. And this is just going to make Aaron Henry stronger, a great mentor uh, for him. This is going to be one of those cases where Aaron Henry can um, kind of learn on the job while being on the job, which is very, very uh, a unique situation and a great learning experience for Aaron. Uh, because when you're replacing Ryan Walters, that's a huge task. And I think that uh, this could be absolutely huge for Aaron Henry's development. And not just Aaron Henry, our defensive best coach. Uh, it's his first Power 5 gig, too. So to have that inexperience in our coaching staff when it comes to the secondary. You know, Jim Leonard, again, he's been there. And it's this is actually a really good opportunity for him. Because, again, he's not just going to be focusing on the defensive side. Uh, as per what Brett Bielema said during the media days, he's going to kind of dabble in all three facets of the game. So Jim gets to learn from Brett, you know, five days a week. He, you know, gets to hone his skills because you can tell he wants to be a head coach. Um, that's He was hoping to get the Wisconsin gig. It didn't work out for him for whatever reason. Um, as you said, he was tending to some injuries. So, you know, it, it was widely assumed that he was just going to take the year off. I, and I think the winners in all of this are uh, us Illini fans. Yeah, I mean, this also mitigates the loss of Kevin Kane. I think that's one of the more underrated losses throughout the entire offseason. So to have that expertise back and that experience of being around a Big Ten defense to being around uh, Brett Bielema so long, I think this is just a great replacement for Kevin Kane, who was the associate head coach, essentially, um, for the Fighting Illini last year. So I think this is just a... A brilliant move by Brett. I think it's going to um, just keep uh, Jim Leonard's legs fresh. Uh, and so he, he doesn't develop any ring rust uh, whenever he goes back out on the market to become a defensive coordinator or head coach next year. So I think this is just absolutely large. And what a power move by Brett. I'm, this is the type of announcement Nick Saban does at Bama or Kirby does down in Georgia. You know, he keeps uh, everyone knows the name Jim Len Leonard. It's showing up on Twitter, you know, signs with University of Illinois. If things work out, Jim Leonard, you know, gets his head coaching job next year. There's an opportunity where Brett, you know, who's known as this uh, wonderful CEO uh, as his coaching style, he can bring someone else in. You know, he's bringing that brand of Illinois up a notch, which is all we've been asking for for years now. Yeah, I mean, if Nick Saban has the rehabilitation clinic for head coaches. Um, I think uh, Brett Bielema might be the junior college there for the moment. So if this works out for Jim Leonard and he becomes a great head coach uh, somewhere after this, this could completely change the dynamic of how Illinois hires coaches in the future. I love it. Instead of us begging coaches to come here, uh, they'll be inquiring to come here. And, you know, that's, that's a change from my time as a Illinois fan. Yes, and we also had Big Ten Media Days uh, this past week. Uh, what were some of your highlights of what you saw during Big Ten Media Day, Sonny? Well, the first thought that came to mind was I don't like him, but I think Fleck handled the controversy that was coming his way as well as it could have been handled. Um, obviously, the, the players were kind of coached up uh, to what to say, but Fleck just kind of basically took control of the narrative. And if you kind of see the replies uh, in media, you know, a lot of people tend to kind of agree with him that it seemed to be more just general hazing stuff, not necessarily 
as egregious as some of the things that were going on uh, at Northwestern. Secondly, speaking of Northwestern, uh, you know, I, their coach seems like a really nice guy, but he just seemed way over his head for me. Uh, I, I don't think, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. I think he was just kind of a stopgap because he wasn't affiliated to the previous uh, regime, but uh, I would not be excited if I was a Wildcats fan. What about you, Austin? I mean, I mean that is two different ways of handling a situation with the way Minnesota handled it. P.J. Flex said players have six different avenues to uh, report incidents, uh, no, ma who, no matter who they're dealing with, whether it's the department, whether it's the, another head coach. Uh, I, I think there's just multiple ways in Minnesota where players can report that. So it's kind of like, are these players really having those issues or are they jumping on a bandwagon that Northwestern players uh, had to go through uh, for this to see the light of day? And then you had Northwestern, their athletic department, their president just left their interim head coach out there to dry. I mean, like to only do one exclusive interview with Dave Revson on Big Ten Network, uh, if you're the athletic director of Northwestern after a situation like this, that does a an extreme disservice to the athletes. It does an extreme disservice to your interim coach. And I know they're going to have a lot of money to spend on their new head coach. But if I'm a head coach, I'm like, are you really going to have my back? Um, or are you going to leave me out to dry as well like you did? Your interim athletic department, your interim head coach, if things get a little dicey out there. So I think that is a huge, huge factor of why Northwestern looks so bad uh, during these media days. I mean, they've just looked so bad for the past month. You know, when these uh, allegations were, uh, you know, when the investigation had first started, they tried to sweep everything under the rug and tried to suspend them up for like two weeks during non recruiting time to begin with just hoping no one would notice i think it was i even think it was a friday evening news dump um mm -hmm. it was the you know the, the students at northwestern uh their newspaper i forgot what it's called off the top of my head that kind of dug deeper into the story that brought more national attention to the story to the point where you know a week later coach fitz was out of a job absolutely and just circling back to big 10 media days i mean it feels like it was the filibuster among filibusters for a lot of these coaches. Like there was long opening statements and not a lot of questions being asked. Well, I, I don't think they want to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of them, uh, especially with what had gone at Northwestern and the report that was released about Minnesota, I think they kind of want to, all the coaches kind of collectively wanted to control the messaging as much as possible. I'm sure they got, you know, some, feedback from uh, the Big Ten conference in general to try to, you know, mitigate trying to let yourself get in trouble or talk down uh, about your fellow conference members. So I think, you know, that might be the case. And we're in a, such a situation where there's a lot of issues that are just bigger than a head coach's pay grade, which is crazy to say since college football pretty much owns college sports at the moment. But when you talk about NIL, where Congress is getting involved, and you talk about conference realignment, where these college presidents and these athletic directors are making uh, the moves and not head coach. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of situations where they were just like, I really don't want to be asked these questions because there's nothing really that I can do to change the minds of anybody, whether it's like um, if hypothetically Ryan Day was asked about Oregon and Washington. 
uh, he doesn't have an answer for it. Like he would be like, it'd be cool to have more competition. But again, there's not really anything that these coaches can do about any of these major situations going on in the world of college football and college sports at large. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, so you obviously watched the, the big 10 media day uh, of the new coaches. Anyone in particular jump out at you? Uh, I mean, Matt rule, like he just has a personality that fits really well with Nebraska. I mean, um, with how he is able to build a college football program, no matter which part of the country he's in, this is a guy that succeeded in the South. He succeeded out East. And now I think he can do some damage in the Midwest as well with Nebraska. I know it's a very tough conference with USC and UCLA coming in, joining the likes of Ohio, Michigan and Penn state. And then, Wisconsin whenever they're good but I think Matt Rule had a really successful media day and that's just because there's a lot of Nebraska media there too to hype up uh, uh, everything Nebraska there so I, I think that he had he was the shining star of the new coaches uh, Luke Fickle is going to be Luke Fickle he's been on the national stage before with Ohio State he's been on the national stage with Cincinnati so I think that he takes us a little bit more of a business-like environment where Matt Rule knows how this is marketing as well. So I think he knows how to market himself and market Nebraska as a program. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're going to find out if Nebraska can still be the Nebraska that their fans think that they are. Um, Matt Rule, you know, when, when I saw the hire, I hated it as an Illinois fan just because I think if anyone's able to bring that program back to the prominence uh, that it once had, it's going to be him. Um, you know, whether that means leveling off at the nine, 10 wins, you know, something like uh, Wisconsin and Iowa have been doing over the last 10 years, we'll find out. Or if, if it's really the Nebraska that, again, the Cornhuskers think that they are, that they're competing for national championships, they're battling Ohio State, they're battling Michigan. Uh, he's going to prove once and for all, uh, what that uh, program is uh, pretty much capable of. Um, the Fickle, I thought, you know, was very business oriented, as you said. Um, I, if I were a Badger fan, I would have gotten pretty hyped up listening to him. Um, I'm less confident about that. I think it was a great hire, but I'm less confident about that hire just because of the brand of football that he's bringing into Wisconsin. Um, I just don't know if it's going to work in November in up in Madison. So, but you know, he was, you know, if nothing else, you know, one of the top two dressed men at the big <laughs> media days. So, you know, always not lost for him. Yeah. He brings that Jay Wright quality of fashion uh, to the big 10 football staff that I think they clearly need. There's not a lot of fashionistas in the <laughs> big 10 college football world. I'll tell you that much. I, um, I, do, I do love that Brett decided to go with the no tie. Look, yes. For the big 10 media days. Cause I've been trying to shout that out to the public for as long as I can to try to drop ties for these sort of occasions. So I'm glad that's my coach. It, it is hilarious where it's literally on a turf football field and you still have guys wearing suits and everything. It's just a weird look. Like I'd be more fine if they were in their polos or their sweatsuits or whatever they wear on game days uh, to do this because, I mean, it would fit the environment that these coaches are in. Uh, but you brought up an interesting point about Nebraska and Matt Rule where I do think Matt Rule is an upgrade, but there is a weird factor of Nebraska coming in, uh, came into the Big Ten. 
they recruited Texas really, really well in the late stages of the Big 12. And once they lost to the idea that, hey, don't worry, Nebraska's going to play Texas Tech. They're going to play Texas A&M. They're going to play Texas in Austin. So your family, your friends, and um, your community can come see you um, three or four weeks out of the year, um, depending on the home schedule. I, I think that helped them out a lot. But back in the Osborne days, they were recruiting California really well. So I don't know if the addition of USC and UCLA can maybe help propel that dominance back to Nebraska because you will have a couple opportunities to go to California if you are in Nebraska. So that might help recruitment out west a little bit to spur that back to where they were in the 90s, where they were bringing all those stud athletes uh, from L.A. to uh, those corn-fed Huskers in the Midwest. Steroid-filled Huskers. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. <laughs> yes. Same thing. Same thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I just don't know. I don't know if recruiting was ever the issue with Nebraska. Um, I really think, you know, it's just been the coaching. You know, they they took I, they took for granted, you know, uh, what's the name, Callahan? Uh, no, Pelini. Pelini was uh, giving them yep. nine wins every single year, and they wanted more. They wanted to win national championships. Um, the landscape's changed, and we're gonna, they're going to find out whether they were right or wrong, at, at least in my opinion. Absolutely. And speaking of conference realignment, where, where Nebraska went to the Big Ten, uh, I don't think they're going to go back to the Big 12 like this uh, one team did. Colorado, on their way back to the Big 12, I am not shocked. But yet at the same time, it is one of those things where it's like, this is really happening. Like every day is just a new world of college football. It's a brand new landscape every single day that you open up Twitter. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I hate this talk because I love the traditional Pac 12, ACC, you know, Big Ten, SEC. And it's kind of a sad realization that the landscape is changing so drastically that, you know, the Pac, you know, the Power Five is very clearly the Power Two. Now we're basically all waiting to see if the Pac-12 survives as a minor league or if it's essentially just disbanded and their you know, group members kind of spread across uh, the country. You know, there's some smoke coming from the ACC. You know, it, it's the same thing. So I think Colorado made the absolute right move. Um, the Pac-12 has been dragging so long trying to get this media contract deal. You know, they've been hinting at it, hinting at it, you know. Everything I've read is all the members of the conference want is to see rough numbers and their commissioner is not even providing them that. And so Colorado's basically, you know, they their roots are in the Big 12. So it kind of made sense from their part. You know, they're locking, I think, I think just under 40 million a year. I think the Big 12 uh, conference members 31.7. 31. OK, you know. 31, at least they know that's what they'll be getting for the X amount of years, as opposed to kind of being in limbo, not, you know, trying to figure out what they wanted to do, only to have other members of the Pac-12 have these side deals and try to jump their spots if they try to wait too long. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see them back in the Big 12 because now you get to see Texas Tech versus Colorado. You get to see all these historic matchups that you've had outside of Texas and Colorado and Oklahoma and Colorado, but you get Oklahoma State and Colorado back. And I think that's very alluring to the Colorado fans and the Colorado University. And 
you get re- Texas recruiting back too, which I know Deion Sanders really, really missed, um, uh, really, really wanted, pardon me, um, to be back in that Big 12 environment because he really wasn't getting much out of California. I think he knows that he can get some Texas kids to buy into Coach Prime. Um, so I think there's a whole myriad of factors and the Pac-12 right now. I mean, Arizona is basically just daring them to give them a low number so they can start shopping um, themselves to different conferences. And it seems like every Big 12 university is just happy. And you look at the ACC where they are all stuck in that grain of rights deal where no matter if they leave a conference or not, they're still owed. They still owe the ACC their TV, uh, their TV money. So it feels like they're in a jail cell right now, just waiting until 2031, where I think it is that that's when their grants of rights is expired. So I, I think that the Big 12 right now might solidify themselves as the number three option to the Big 10 and the SEC. So kudos to the new commissioner, Brett Yormark. Yormark. I mean, he has just been a rock star in getting a NFL Combine, that's just Big 12 athletes, the new TV deal, bringing Deion Sanders in Colorado back into the Big 12. I mean, the list of accomplishments in such a short amount of time and to beat the Pac-12 at the TV deal has just been incredible, just stroke of genius by Brett Yormark. Um, and then he's making his counterpart in the big in the Pac-12 look like a chump right now. A fool. Do you think they're done? at 14 like they claim to be or you think uh it's kind of just uh an enticement to get the other pac-12 teams to knock on i think they would take some of the pac-12 teams in a group um so i think if arizona was like we're only coming if arizona state can come i think the pack the big 12 part of me would be like all right let's go that's fine Mm -hmm. um so i think that's fine and brett yormark really wants connecticut he wants connecticut bad because the Big 12 loves their basketball, and UConn would bring a great um, fingerprint to that league in terms of men's basketball and, of course, women's basketball, which is growing revenue uh, exponentially right now. It's a growing market. So I think that is huge for the Big 12 to think of, and they would get in all time zones as well and be close to New York City with that UConn uh, deal. So I think they would probably take four more to get to 16 and uh, showcase that, hey, we have 16 teams just like the Big Ten and the SEC. So uh, I think they'll take up to 16. If So let's say you're Brett. Would you take UConn or do you take – we'll just start at the top of the list, Arizona. I would take Arizona over okay. UConn. So okay, um, I think Arizona's probably locked in, right? That's probably yeah. I, I think they have that basketball history that they also like as well. So I I think it I think that would be the tiebreaker. It's just that they're closer and they have a great basketball program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think UConn. I, I I think your mark might maybe making a gamble that basketball is super undervalued right now in the next you know, mm-hmm. in the round of media deals, because otherwise UConn, Colorado brings very little right now on the football landscape. UConn yeah. build brings even less than that. And, you know, you're absolutely right that, you know, it brings, you know, one of the top basketball programs, both men and women uh, to the table. But um, with the, you just feel like not a lot of people 
care about that right now, or specifically the right. ne the networks. So right. I do wonder if it's kind of a, you know, trying to stay ahead, like a money line analytics move on his behalf, trying to target UConn. And, you know, I heard rumblings about Gonzaga as a basketball only member, um, maybe as, you know, a type of gamble to keep the Big 12 being talked about throughout the year. Well, you know, we, top to bottom, it's going to be one of the best or most fun football uh, conferences to watch. And then when basketball season hits, you know, you're going to have the juggling. You're going to have, you know, the Baylors, the Yukons, you know, Gonzaga. So, you know, I, I'm not sure I wouldn't make that move. Um, but he's, he's, uh, he hasn't made a wrong move yet. So, you know, he, he might know what he's doing. Yeah. I think it's just growing a niche that showcases the big 12 is like the basketball conference, maybe even try to pro propel that over the ACC. I mean, it's like the, it's like NBC, whenever they didn't have the NBA, what did they shift to the English premier league? Uh, yeah. so I think that was there. like, I mean, we can still get a great audience, um, to showcase people on in a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning. And I think that's what your mark is doing. Whenever it's not football season, you're going to be wanting to tune into every big 12 matchup because you're going to get UConn versus Baylor. You're going to get UConn versus Kansas uh, uh, week after week. I think that's kind of a, uh, that is a big push. I think for your mark is to grow that niche that maybe the big 10 and the SEC don't have outside of like Kentucky, Michigan state, uh, so on and so forth. Do you think um, the Big Ten or SEC is losing any sleep over any of these moves? Uh, no, I think they're just keeping an eye on it because I think there will be a point, especially now that Colorado has left, that Washington and Oregon might be calling and kind of begging to come to the I Big think Ten. They have been calling uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so I think. I think that'll just grow in desperation. But right now, I think the Big Ten is just like, are you Notre Dame? No. All right, see ya. So yeah. I think that's just what they're waiting on if Notre Dame is truly interested. Um, and if they are, then they might expand further west to maybe get Notre Dame's friends, Stanford, Washington, and uh, Oregon in the fold as well. Yeah, I mean, I've been tweeting a lot about this stuff uh, just because I'm just fascinated by, you know, the different possibilities. Um, I think Oregon and Washington will always be there for the Big Ten. At any point, mm -hmm. you know, at whatever dis we would name the price. Um, I think it's fair to say that moving forward, there's really only going to be one other conference that you need to worry about, and that's the SEC. Um, so I'm trying to think, you know, if the SEC Commissioner Sankey I ask him the question hypothetically, like if the Big Ten and adds Oregon or Washington, does he lose any sleep? And I don't think he does. Um, no, because he, he knows that he has Florida State and Clemson if that grant of rights ever gets broken in the court. So do you think Florida State would go to SEC? I think Florida State and Clemson would be SEC members. I think Miami with their private school and endowment, I think they would be more in tune with like a Big Ten move. Um, to join North Carolina, I, I think that's kind of where the divide would. Clemson, I feel like, would try to love to go to the SEC. I think that the SEC would try to vote them in, but I think South Carolina University would try every way possible to not allow that to happen. So I, I do have a contact uh, in that kind of overhears some of the stuff that's going down in Tallahassee, and he's told me flat out it's 50-50. 
Um, mm. August 15th, there's going to be a very, you know, everyone's circled that date because that's basically the deadline on when ACT, ACC teams have to make an announcement on whether they want to leave. And uh, there's a lot of smoke coming from Florida State that they're going to make some sort of announcement, whether it be, you know, that uh, I don't think they're going to announce that they're leaving towards one conference or the other. Uh, the vibes that I'm getting is that they're going to announce a challenge to the grant of rights. But um, from what I'm gathering, the fans kind of lean towards the SEC just because it's more regional. It's easier to get, you know, you have the more localized rivalries, but there's also a pretty contingent, a pretty big contingent in the administration. And there's a pretty decent uh, group of fans also that want the Big Ten because I think the dream move for the Big Ten is locking in Miami and FSU as our next two teams at that mm -hmm. point you lock in this you you're finally inside the state of florida we already have california you get florida that's the sec breeding ground all right the reason the sec's uh performance better than we do is because their home is where all the athletes are um once we added usc ucla you'll notice all the other big 10 teams we're recruiting california more we're getting more of their top end uh, players coming to our conference as opposed to before. Do the same thing in Florida. We've got teams from Florida to California. We are a completely national uh, conference at that point. And I think my like those two names, Florida State and Miami, make Sankey nervous. Because again, we're, now we're entering their breeding ground. Um, the other teams, you know, depending on what happens to the ACC, you know, if it does crumble, like if Florida State leaves, you know, like you mentioned, I've heard Clemson wants to kind of tag along with uh, Florida State wherever they decide to go. If Florida State joins and says, you know, hey, yeah, we're going to try to leave the conferences also. And the conference, you know, just basically it rolls down and, you know, it disbands. Then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it's a free for all. And NBC basically forces Notre Dame saying, hey, look, you know, and, uh, they released an article, I forget who wrote it, uh, forgive me, where they basically announced that the only football that they'll be dealing with is the Big Ten and Notre Dame. So if the ACC's, wow. you know, no more, if Notre Dame doesn't join the conference, I can see a lot of pressure from NBC who's paying them to, you know, have some sort of scheduling agreement where they're playing a lot of the rivals from the Big Ten, you know, that they had in uh, years uh, prior. So, you know, I think Notre Dame, I agree with you, is the number one on our board, but I don't think they're moving until they absolutely have to. I mean, NBC has a budget too. I, I think a lot of people just forget that these TV networks have a cap on what they're willing to spend on different entities and there's always professional entities coming available for their media rights and i know the nba is going is going to be calling nbc because they have a streaming service in peacock they have over the air nbc and they have usa network and um, all of these different uh um, premium cable um bundle kind of networks and that's kind of what the nba wants they want uh the nba on all three tiers so I think NBC might be wanting to want to save some money here in a little bit, and that might come at Notre Dame's expense because they can just bully them and be like, hey, you'll get some more money from the Big Ten if you come into the Big Ten fold. So I think NBC, with these future rights coming up, I think that might 
be the push that Notre Dame needs to come to the Big Ten eventually. And I think that was the ingenious part of the Big Ten, though, um, aligning themselves with NBC and Fox and CBS. You know, uh, if you take a look at some of the schedules uh, that have been coming out during the Big Ten media days, we're going to have games on primetime TV basically every day of the weekend on every single time mm-hmm. slot. You know, the SEC has kind of aligned itself with ESPN. ESPN is already having, you know, mass layoffs of their talent. Um, Disney and Bob Iger's already talked about trying to sell off a portion of ESPN. Um, you know, those are a little shakier grounds. This isn't the ESPN that you and I grew up with. You know, I, I, I yeah. think the Big Ten has a leg up on the SEC when it comes to um, the, exp- the exposure that we're going to get every single day. And as you said, you know, w- when it comes to NBC working with Notre Dame, they might be able to get some help from CBS and Fox because CBS and Fox want Notre Dame in the Big Ten. So, you know, Absolutely. they might be able to, you know, whether it be pitch in a little bit or try to offer some kind of incentive uh, to the fighting Irish. I just think um, I feel really good about the Big Ten and their uh, media rights deal right now and where it puts us moving forward. Absolutely. It's us and the SEC and then everyone else. I mean, I'm so glad Illinois was an original num- member of the Big Ten, you know, Big Ten Conference as well. Yeah. I mean, right. because I mean that is such a leg up on recruiting, even against a school like North Carolina in basketball and uh, all these other states and schools in football. Because you can be like, hey, we have a better shot at getting to the playoff. We have a better shot at being on national primetime television. If that's what you want and you want NFL teams to be watching you um, without having to do much work, then, hey, Illinois is the place for you because we're going to be on NBC, CBS and Fox every single week. Uh, you don't have to struggle to find find us. So I think that's super huge for the future of the Fighting Illini within this growing landscape of uh, media and college football merging together in a way we've never seen before. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not exactly known for our football, but our athletic department's going to be making, you know, 25, 30, 40 million dollars more than the North Carolinas, you know, uh, uh, the Kansases, the other, you know, you know, preemptive or the top programs in some of the other conferences. So while we may not quite be considered at a certain level yet, as the years roll on, you know, 40 million becomes 80 million, becomes 120 million, you know, like we're going to be able to build top-notch facilities that even these other top programs and other conferences just can't compete with just because we'll have that Big Ten money coming in. And, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful we're a founding member because (laughs) otherwise (laughs) it'd be a lot harder to watch from the outside. University of Chicago's got to be kicking themselves seeing all this TV (laughs) money coming into the Big Ten. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kidding. They're doing they're doing just fine with they're, their they're doing okay. Yeah, I think they're doing. Yeah, okay. it's one of the top universities in the country, not named an Ivy League, so uh, they're doing just fine. But just funny to think that they were one of the original members with Illinois of this uh, Big Ten conference. Um, but going up for other Big Ten news, Jim Harbaugh is suspended the first four games of the season, and it really feels like the cover up was bigger than the crime. I don't get it. I. It said that he worked with the NCAA and they both negotiated this together. Um, what authority does the NCAA just hold at this point? Like, you know, if, if I if I were Jim, I would have been like, okay, if you're going to suspend me, I'll be suspended two games. That's it. 
Like, what can the NCAA do at this point to him? Like, what was it like feeding hamburgers or this and that? It's just every team out there. So the punishment was because he gave some food and it was technically a recruiting visit during the pandemic. So that's kind of where the NCAA was like, you broke this rule during one of the biggest national crisis we've ever seen. Um, I can't, can I say that other big 10 universities were doing the same thing? No, I can't. Um, but the fact that he was just like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, just kind of said that, yeah, you're going to be facing some sort of punishment for this. And this is a kind of a stiff hand from the NCAA. And it's kind of surprising to see because we've seen that, Whenever you're defiant to the NCAA, that's whenever you get off scotch-free. If you yeah. cooperate with the NCAA, that's whenever they give you the hammer. So this is kind of a different thing than I would have anticipated from the NCAA on an issue like this. Yeah, I, again, I was shocked. Uh, four games. I know those four games are at the beginning of the season, and Michigan has a historically soft uh, out-of-conference schedule to begin with, but... If I were Jim, you know, I would have said, you know, one game, two games, fine, whatever, roll your eyes uh, and be done with it. But uh, I, don't, I don't agree with it. You know, I, I don't think he necessarily did anything that everyone else wasn't doing. Um, I kind of, I don't like Jim. I don't like the University of Mi uh, Michigan program, but I kind of enjoyed him kind of sticking the thumb up at the NCAA. Um, but you know, I guess in the end, the NCAA won. It is kind of funny at the same time he was getting suspended that the Colts put him in the ring of honor um, <laughs> on the field during Big Ten media days. I'm like, <laughs> so you're getting suspended that same day that you're getting honored by the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, it's just hilarious how the timing of all of this stuff <laughs> just kind of goes together like uh, the Pac-12 commissioner, like the week before Colorado left, was like, oh, yeah, we're stable right now. Everything's fine. It's just nobody knows anything in college football anymore. Nobody can trust any timing of anything. I mean, it's just a wild, wild west. One day blue is blue and the next day blue is green. Exactly right. I mean, anything you read, no matter who you talk to, like nobody knows anything. Um, everyone is lying to you. So that's kind of the excitement, I guess you can say. Um as the days progress, you know, again, I'm keeping my eye on out on for August 15th just to see if what I'm hearing is true. If, uh, you know, Florida State, you know, drops the ACC bombshell because, I mean, if we thought what happened with the Big 12 and the Pac-12 was crazy, like this is going to be that tenfold, in my opinion. Because mm -hmm. these are powerful brands with powerful academics, with powerful um, sports in both basketball and in football. I know basketball is not the driver, but you have a team like North Carolina and Duke. That's a very valuable brand that I'm sure Brett Yormark is like, did somebody say basketball Duke? Do you want right. to join? Come right. play Kansas every season. I mean, like this, this could open up a huge can of worms that we're not even anticipating like Duke to the big 12, like North Carolina, to the big 10 Clemson to the big 10. Who knows what, ha what could happen? Yeah, and not to be disrespectful to Colorado, but or Arizona, but like the ACC has legit college football powerhouses. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Florida State is one of the all-time blue bloods. You know, when you talk about Clemson for the last, what, 10, 15, the Dabo years has been one of the two, three best programs in the entire country. So when the ACC has that drama, that's going to actually truly matter on the field as well because, you know, Florida State deciding to join the SEC or the Big Ten, both conferences want them, and it could do a power shift one way or the other when it comes to the play on the field moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just unreal to think of all the massive schools that, it, pending a court battle, could be suddenly up for grabs because that ACC dollar amount was so low, but they thought they were so smart for signing such a long-term TV deal together. But it turned out that short term is the best term because you don't know what opportunities come available year to year in this wild, wild west of college football. Do you feel at all bad for Jim Phillips right now? <laughs> uh, no, because he's not at Northwestern dealing with all of this stuff. So well, he's still true. making a hefty payday and he is uh, still he's still going to live the life after this without having any like smudge on his record. Uh, if the conference diminishes, then he can just be like, yeah, it was the TV deal money. That's it. Um, but if he was at Northwestern right now, he'd probably be like, might be on a little bit of a hot seat right now. It's just a, like how different his life could have been. You know, a lot of people wanted him as the big Ten's next commissioner once Delaney left. And if mm-hmm. that path had gone forward, you know, who knows where he would have been compared to, you know, I think, you know, feelings were hurt once he didn't get the Big Ten job. And, you know, the ACC came knocking and, you know, I thought it was a home run hire for him. I really liked everything Jim had done. But, yeah, you're right. I, I think he'd rather be out there east, out in the east, dealing with, with whatever they're dealing with as opposed to having to answer questions about Northwestern right now. I mean... I know Kevin Warren on the day-to-day aspects of the Big Ten didn't do the best job in leading the conference day-to-day, but his big-picture stuff was just masterclass. Adding USC, adding UCLA, um, spearheading this. <laughs> yes, yes, and then spearheading this TV deal was just it was just a masterclass at work. Um, but then the day-to-day stuff, like how to suspend players and, and that that was not his forte but big ideas are what he's about and if you're a bears fan uh, i'm sure you got to be somewhat excited over the possibilities of a new stadium and uh getting the football operations uh all set yeah i, I mean i am a bears fan so it is nice you know uh, the minnesota fans i've talked to they love their stadium and kevin's kind of already gone through that whole experience with them i don't know and these were the questions that were being asked when he was hired, whether he really is a college guy, an NCAA football guy. Um, you know, we're seeing reports now, you know, that him and the commissioners didn't always necessarily see eye to eye. You know, reports were like he wanted to bring along Oregon and Washington with UCLA and USC right off the bat, whereas the commissioners, you know, just kind of wanted to, you know, uh, take a step back. Um, there didn't seem to be too much trying to beg Kevin not to take the Bears job. So I, I think it was just kind of good for all parties involved. Um, he has, he's going to be 
remembered as the guy who brought UCLA and UCLA or USC to the Big Ten. So, you know, I can't say anything bad about him, but he just seemed like he wasn't always natural. Like when it came to Big Ten media days, it was, he was reading off a transcript. Uh, he was just there. Um, but again, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about him because uh, he's one of the key reasons that our conference is going to be one of the two that are going to matter uh, moving forward. I mean, whenever Texas and Oklahoma jumped to the SEC, there was a lot of questions of, is this going to lead to the Big Ten's demise Like as well? Like, are we now going to be a second-tier conference uh, completely? Like, to add USC and UCLA, like, everyone thought, like, oh, maybe Georgia Tech might be making the jump to the Big Ten. Maybe you can get North Carolina if that grant of rights is done. Maybe those are your two additions so you can jump into – quote-unquote SEC territory for recruiting, but to bring in the big market of Los Angeles and even greater the state of California in the in the fold, that is just unreal, unreal. So Kevin Warren, I, I think that's just going to be on his plaque outside of the Big Ten offices uh, near that Brazilian steakhouse. It's just that he brought USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, and that's going to be it. It's not going to say anything about COVID or anything. It's just going to be like, hey, he brought USC and UCLA into the Big Ten. That's it. I mean, again, I think that's all he needs to do. Yep. Um, so we, good. So we do have some new uniforms. What are your initial thoughts on this new generation of uniforms for Illinois football? I think they are. It's so funny, like how riled up people get over uniforms. Um, Brett announced what like a few months ago that no no it was probably like a year ago that we were going to get new uniforms and so it seemed on seemed like on every sports Illinois uh, message board you know people would be constantly asking questions uh, are there any leaks when's this going to happen you know trying to come up with their own prototypes I think we got the prototypical Brett Bielema uniform um, if I, it, it, I never thought it would be anything flashy. Brett's not a flashy guy. If we had hired a younger guy like a Ryan Walters, I can see trying to do something super modern, you know, something that, you know, the kids would appreciate. Brett seems very old school with the blend of the new school. And so, like, I like our jerseys. Yeah, they look like Syracuse's, but, you know, we, we pretty much share the same colors. So it's going to be hard to differentiate uh, between the two. Our jerseys are really not that much different than, you know, LSU's. Uh, the Patriots. So for me, I like them. I have no problem with them. Um, I'm silently glad we didn't go with the script Illini that, you know, has been showing up uh, on a lot of promo material. I, I like the way it looks, but I just don't think I would have dug it on a football uniform. I like the black eye on the helmet. Me personally, I, I'm glad we didn't go back to the, the Giants, Illinois, uh, uh, as Jeremy likes to refer. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, I really wanted something, either script Illini, something that's so unique to Illinois, or something so new that could instantly say, "Hey, I'm watching an Illinois game." Because if you're just tuned on the t turn on the TV and it's one of those like close-ups of the players, you don't know this doesn't have the score bug at the bottom. Are you watching a Syracuse game? Are you watching an Illinois game? And I don't want people to ever have to like think 
about that. So that's why I was a little disappointed, especially being in Nike school where Nike gives Oregon every new uniform combination possible. Um, I do know the connection there. Phil Knight is the Oregon guy, but still, whenever you have that design capability at your disposal and you showcase it off to the world week in and week out with the University of Oregon, you expect some originality there um, with other colleges that you have a contract with. So that's why I was really disappointed whenever I saw, especially the 2009 Syracuse uniforms versus this year's Illinois uniforms. Those two are just strictly identical. And that one, that one really bugged me because it's like, it, it just, it's just, it's like, are you Syracuse's younger brother? Because you constantly follow them. Like, I just wish we could do something completely different that way. So if we do, come together in a few years here and there that it's not so quick uh, at the trigger that it's like, oh, this is Syracuse's old uniforms. At least have some buffer in between there. Yeah. I think, you know, if we won 9, 10, 11 games a year, um, Nike would probably give us a little bit more attention. I think as of now, I do think, you know, Brett probably had a pretty decent hand in, you know, or at least some input on what the uniforms would look like. And if I had to close my eyes and put together what I would think a Brett Bielma uniform would look like, what we, what the result was is kind of what we got. So that's why yeah. to me it doesn't make a big deal. Um, you know, for me, you know, the prominent, you know, the big eye on our helmets, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, it, it's fun to talk about. You know, to, uh, once we saw the jerseys lined up, you know, at Big Ten Media Day, I think they had like all sixteen jerseys up there. You know, there's tweets asking, you know, rate them. I always saw Illinois somewhat in the middle, and that's kind of where I would have ranked them. You know, mm -hmm. nothing's jumping out at you, but you know, I know we think Nike's being lazy, but I saw Indiana and that Adidas logo and. I'm still just grateful that we're a Nike brand. So, and I, and I do think that, that matters, is true. So, you know, it's, and, uh, and I mean, I feel like you can build into the brand of your Jersey as well. So hypothetically, if Illinois does win those nine games in a row, then people won't even think about Syracuse whenever that situation comes on of the TV being close up, no score bug. And if Illinois is winning a lot of games, you just would assume, Oh yeah, this is an Illinois game that I'm watching right now. And, I, I feel like if you keep winning, then the brand will slowly evolve into your brand and they won't even think about the alternate options of who an orange and blue uniform could possibly be. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, let's be honest, you know, in the battle of Illinois football versus Syracuse football, it's not like one program has a huge leg up over the other. So that, no. that mantle is <laughs> up for grabs. And, you know, I think we have the right guy in charge to, to take us you know, beyond the Syracuse level. And with CBS, ABC, and NBC, uh, we are always going to be on the national stage, and Syracuse is going to be either on the ACC network or ESPN2 constantly. So that's another added benefit about being in the Big Ten Conference. Right, yeah. Hopefully, you know, we'll get the first dibs from Nike, the blue and orange, uh, you know, combo uh, moving forward. Absolutely. So, Sonny, I hear you have a contest for our listeners out there. Yeah. So, we're super, Austin and I are super excited uh, for, you know, our 
launch episode, which you're listening to right now, um, what we're going to do is try to reward our listeners. Uh, this is what I want you to do. If show me proof that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, send it to my Twitter handle at Aliniecast, uh, I-L-L-I-N-I-C-A-S-T. Just send me a screenshot of you subscribed to our YouTube channel. And before the season starts, we're going to give away two tickets to the home opener. What do you think about that, Austin? That sounds amazing. I like this contest. So subscribe to Cast on YouTube and send proof to Sonny at Cast on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it nowadays. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it's like a Kleenex, you know, like you can't change the name of Kleenex because everyone just knows that it's Kleenex. I mean, come on. It's always going to be the Sears Tower. Yes. (laughs) Perfect (laughs) perfect example. And to a lot of Illini fans, it's always going to be the assembly hall. So, right, right, exactly right. right. (laughs) But Austin, this was fun. This was fun. This was a blast. We covered a lot of Big Ten media days. We covered a lot of uh, different things related to Illini sports and things that could potentially affect Illini sports to for decades to come with conference realignment. So um, I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the Illini cast powered by the big banter podcast network and Sonny, I want to thank you uh, again for inviting me to be part of this journey with you. Awesome. I'm, I, I'm the one who's very lucky um, I'm looking forward to working with you every single week uh, when we talk Illinois, Illinois football and work with the Big Ten. And uh, I've heard Big Ten banter, uh, the collaborations I've already worked with the Ohio State guys. It was a lot of fun. Um, at the Illinois preview, they've already put that out there. So please go check out their Twitter handle, uh, OHIO podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, you know, we finished episode one. Okay, I'm looking forward to two, three and uh Hopefully one day, episode 100, Austin. What do you think? Absolutely. We'll get a uh, schedule going throughout the weeks of college football going. Um, But right now, we just wanted to bring this podcast out to the world. So uh, thank you again for listening. And this has been the Atlanta Cast Podcast by the Big Banter Podcast Network. Thank you, guys.